Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. This is our fifth installment of Capitalist Communion. Uh, we're getting going a little bit late tonight, but, you know, Jacob believes in eternal afterlife, so his time preference, you know, is super, super low. So being on time just, like, isn't that important, so it's all right, but we're all here now. So anyway, we've got my fellow cringe atheist, Will Bell. How are you doing tonight, man? Doing great, brother. Nice. We've got the best-looking libertarian you know, Liam McCollum. How are we doing, Liam? Good. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. And he's late, but he's here. Jacob or Daniel or Winograd or Biblical something. Dude, we don't know I don't even know what my name is anymore, okay? <laughs> it's... It, it... <laughs> I, I, I just I just respond to anything that's between whether it's Jacob or Daniel or fucktard. Like it's just I just I just assume that they're they're talking about me. And the reason I'm late is because unlike you three, I actually care about uh, growing the liberty movement. So I'm literally it's just me and Josh Smith, okay? And we're just pumping out as many babies as we can, and that is how we're going to get to freedom. Yeah, you guys are going to go to Disney soon? or No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Although that is what, ironically, that is what Josh Smith was like doing the fundraiser for forever know, was to yeah. take the kids to Disney. <laughs> it's like, kind of funny in hindsight. But uh, anyway, why don't we just pick up where we left off? Like, I think this was an interesting conversation. Um, and all of us grew up in church, but uh, Jacob was really vibing with me here on the whole, like, when, you know, you've been in church for three hours and then the worship service is ending and you're ready to go home. And then there's like a slow worship song. And then that one woman who always wants to do like three extra songs because she has no life, like gets up and says, we need to do just one more song because the spirit's really flowing today. That's like, I don't know. That's just, I don't know if there's anything much worse than that, but what, what do you think, Jacob? No, I, I know what you mean. And it, and it's always like, I mean, some people, I mean, so my dad got us kicked out of a church once because he described the evangelical church, like, broadly speaking, as just uh, eventually what it's become is a giant spiritual circle jerk. And so he, he like, said that it got kicked out of a church. Yes, we got kicked oh, out of a base. church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. But it, it kind of is, right? Like, especially, yeah. especially it sounds like we had very similar upbringings where like it was like the part of the the evangelical church that kind of got a little bit into the pentecostal uh crap and charismatic stuff which i'm not a hundred percent against but the problem is it's like not, i am least, that shit is fucking weird i'm a hundred percent against it oh yeah i mean i'm mostly against it i i've seen <laughs> i've seen some instances where it's at least not as cringy as others like there there's some places that there's just like uh, a sprinkle of it and it's like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't. What, I don't what really about care. the flags? What do you think about the flags? You like those, or are those a little weird? Or? Oh gosh, you're giving me PTSD now. <laughs> I mean, I, I I used to run around in circles with flags when I was like 12 years old. Oh, I, I mean, want to see yeah. video evidence of this. <laughs> and and I knew all the. Let's see. I might still know all of the choreographed uh, uh, dance moves slash hand motions for like all the the really cringe 90s worship songs like i'm trading my sorrows and, I, and they, so you had like you had like i forget it was like something like you went like this and then you went like this and then you did like a laying down motion and then yeah. there was that the really cringy pre-chorus where you go yes lord and you just kind of go like this over and over again <laughs> like i mean 
I went yeah. to Camp Good News through Child Evangelism Fellowship in New Hampshire, and they would choreograph the shit out of every song. Yeah. And it was just like, this is too much, guys. Like, this, I mean, it, it doesn't help like you think it does. But wait, so, uh, Will, did you ever have like people speaking in tongues and passing out on the floor and shit like that? You ever seen that, or is that foreign? I've I've got like a few family members who have been told. I never experienced it, but I've been told like your aunt did that one <laughs> and, and shit. But no, the weirdest shit I ever seen was like uh, it was a Church of God church that I went to with a friend of mine. That's a good church. If it's oh, Church of God, it's, you know, it's, on the right track. Is that like a regional thing? Like, do y'all know? I guess I've never heard of it, but it just sounds like they're kind of on target. If it's the well, Church of God, such you know? a freaking self-righteous name. Like, we're the Church of God. I'm like, all oh, you other like weird church people. Like, you guys must be the Church of fucking like fail uh, or something. We have every variety of Protestant Christians here. Like every block. Uh, just everywhere but like there's like church of christ y'all i mean like th that's just what they are the church of christ and the church of god and they all talk shit about each other you don't want to be opposed to the church of god or the church of christ because you're in trouble if like <laughs> i mean what are you like jacob said what are you the church of you know if you're on the opposite side well so, well, so like listen the catholic church is not perfect by any means but it's like they so the catholic church has the scandals and then it's like the evangelical church is just nonstop cringe. So, it's dude, we like, were talking about this. Uh, I don't know Will, which where. I don't know which is worse. I don't know which. I don't know where to go. Yeah, Will and I were talking about this earlier. It's like who who are the ones with the like the the smoke? That's the Episcopalians, right? The ones, yeah. yeah. So like each church like has its thing. It's known for the Episcopalians have the 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 incense or whatever. Um, and then the Baptists have the tracks they pass out to everybody. And then the Pentecostals, you know, they fall on the floor and speak in tongues. And then the Catholics touch kids, you know, like every church <laughs> has its own thing. So. <laughs> Sorry if you're watching uh, was it Caleb, but it was a joke. So, No, I mean, it's it, maybe the Orthodox Church is the, the best, although half the time I don't know what the heck Orthodoxy is because every single orthodox christian i talk to seems to like describe it differently and 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 it's and it's so it, it's one of those things where it's like it's so uh mixed in with like their different regional uh uh customs and then like varying levels of like just this weird woohoo mysticism stuff that it's like it, it can just be whatever the heck it wants to be so i i don't i don't know i'm i'm a, yeah. I'm a mises caucus cult member that's what i found out in the past couple weeks so maybe maybe that's my religion there you go. i mean isn't non-denominational a denomination in itself? it, it basically is by default yeah. i mean i mean it's yeah it's, so liam what, what type of church are you from anyway I, yeah I'm, I'm from the lutheran church missouri synod so it's a very specific denomination in the lutheran church that has like split off from the more liberal types and i mean yeah it's you can you can really into the drama of, of the Lutheran church or its history. And like, I mean, it, it's, but like, we have no, I mean, I don't even know what to say about the Pentecostal church. We're very like liturgical and 
Yeah, we we, we have none of that. Robot church. <laughs> as soon as we ask you a question, your Wi-Fi shit the bed again. So. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't know if you want to try logging off and coming back because whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Work. I'll do that. Okay. All right, cool. Pray for his Wi-Fi, guys. Like this is bad. <laughs> the See, you know his is the most based denomination because as soon as he went to speak, the forces of darkness and Satan <laughs> that are intervening to silence him. And so we just have to pray harder that he can come and 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 tell us why his denomination is the most based. <laughs> For sure. So so Jacob, growing up so first of all, I want to say like what you you brought up the Mises caucus, but when I first joined the Libertarian Party, I thought caucuses are exactly like church denominations because a little bit the whole point of the libertarian party is to all be on the same team right you would think that's the idea and the same with the churches you would think the general idea is like okay we're all christians so you know we have these little weird things that we do a little bit differently but at the end of the day we all believe jesus died for our sins and we want to spread the gospel and yada 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 so we should all be on the same team but growing up like the Catholics were the weirdos and, you know, the, the Episcopalians, like they were all, I mean, everyone was just like not working together. They hated each other, like more than they hated the atheists or whatever. I literally was was told not to date a girl when I was like 16 because she was Catholic. It's like, it was just like, which, which to me just seems like, so I mean, and back then I remember my parents like trying to tell me all the different problems with Catholicism. And now it's just, I mean, it's so, it's so stupid and uh, honestly like i've been sort of i mean leaning a bit more and more catholic over time only because i as much again i have major criticisms of the catholic church and and catholic theology mm-hmm. but protestantism just seems to be 10 times worse because all it is is like hyper fracturing and then it becomes like it's turned into like 90% of it is exactly what my dad called it. Like, it's this weird, self-deistic, like, um, you know, do what feels good version of, of Christianity. So I, I, so I don't if know. we had to compare each caucus, and let's pretend the Prague caucus still exists, but match them up with church denominations, like, how would we do it? So I'd say, I'd say, like, the Libsock caucus is, like, the Catholics because they're just kind of out there. Like they're the ones that have like the most differences from everybody else. And then like the, the Prags are like, they're like your hardcore Baptists who are just boring and like, don't sing any weird songs or, and, and then like the, the radical caucus, they're like the, they're the, uh, the uh, Pentecostals. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, am I on target with any of this stuff? Or where, where would you place I, I, each caucus? I agree with you with Prags and Baptists. I don't know about the Catholics, though. Okay, what about, about more? That. If we're going to even include them. Like, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe the Lipsock caucus is like the Mormons. They're like, are they really Christians or not? Even right, yeah. The Libertarian Socialist Caucus. It's oh, like, okay. <laughs> we're just like, you know, they're like on on a couple things, but like, yeah. like they're, for they're them. The them. yeah they're it's like it's like the golden tablets is like rent is theft you know it's kind of like <laughs> yeah i don't know like this is... <laughs> i would go i'd break it down like the prags are the catholics because they're following the cathedral like the church over Ooh, the source material i didn't even think and of then that, you got but... the mises caucus here like we're the we're the um protestants we're, we're reading the source the the book we're going we are from... fracturing the most yeah. like uh 
like Jacob said too. So maybe there's some, oh, maybe, sure. maybe you're on target with that. I'm not really sure. If but. we can just make it to Reno. <laughs> <laughs> can you guys hear me now, by the way? Yeah. you're yes. correct. Okay, well, cool. say, say something, Liam, while your wife. Yeah. Is yeah. I, I think the Mises caucus is more like the Lutheran church that I belong to. Cause they, like, like Will said, it's like to the text. I mean, we are very like liturgical. We have, we, we, I mean, Those the Baptist, like Catholic, the Catholic Church. If you took out all the bad parts, right? Exactly. So we still have like all the traditions and everything. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't reject the traditions. We just well, rejected at least, at least the 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 Missouri Synod, which is what you said you were a part of. Like that's the yeah. good. That's like the the based part of the uh, of the Lutheran Church. Whereas you have, there's none of those near me. By the way, like the Lutheran churches near me are all like the, uh, uh, what's the really far left one. Uh, ELCA. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a woman pastor, which I mean, automatically, ah, like, yeah. So, so like the liberty unity thing was like non-denominational. It was the equivalent, which you're a denomination in yourself, so just join a denomination. So I joined the Mises Caucus. You know, it's like it's the same idea. Like, if you're a den- non-denominational church, you're just trying to be edgy, but you're really just a Baptist. With a cool name. Wait, does that mean the National Convention is like the Council of Nicaea? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, So does that mean that you rejected non-denominational churches then? Or if if, if you found that liberty unity didn't work? Well, yeah, it didn't work, by the way. I mean, I think you you can't, like, you have to lead with a principle, like, if other people aren't going to be principled, they have to follow you or get out of your way. And I didn't realize like how many people didn't have principles because I'll be honest, when I first joined the libertarian party, I didn't even know there was a difference between like Ron Paul libertarians and Gary Johnson libertarians. I thought, I mean, I thought Ron Paul was better than Gary Johnson, but I didn't think there was like this big divide with Cato and Mises and everything. Like I just didn't realize it existed and then it was after spending enough time, you realize like, wow, a lot of these people actually just suck. And, you know, the term bitch, fuck, cock came into existence. And I think that's a good description. Well, me, and, can I ask you something on, sure. on, the, on this topic? How do you define the word libertarian? Like, I don't think we've we've had that discussion, the four of us here, which is something that like I've been thinking a lot about lately um, and really since last year. When I heard Jeff Dice speak at our Pennsylvania convention and he gave a speech on language and kind of how the left's attacking language and what, you know, he's like, you know, the word liberal used to mean something, uh, you know, Mises considered himself a liberal, but now that word means like the exact opposite of what Mises talked about. And, like, and then he said, what about the word libertarian? Is that becoming one of these meaningless words? Like, how do you define it? Because when you got people who are going around saying rent is theft and who who their main talking points are sex work is work and abolish gender. And you have other people that like us who are more like, you know, end the Fed and decentralization and stuff. It's like, how can all of that stuff be called the same thing? And if it but but he said, you know, you should be willing to defend language. And if we're going to do that, I think we need to agree to what the word libertarian means and fight for it. But I'm curious yeah. if we would all define it the same way. I think I have come. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go, man. Okay. All right. Um, well, I would just go uh, simply like anti-authoritarianism. Like it's the antithesis to authoritarianism. But how do you yeah. define authoritarianism? Yeah, no, uh, I, just, I, I, I would define it differently. But 
Yeah, authoritarianism to me feels like it belongs to the left, and that's another word that was kind of compromised because, well, and and right now you probably wouldn't hear them say that they're against authoritarianism because they've been pretty authoritarian. But like 20 years ago or 10 years ago, you'd always hear them say like, I'm against authoritarianism and it wouldn't really mean much. So I wonder if that's a lost word too. But how would you give that to the left more than the right? You know, like everybody says they're against authoritarianism. Well, I think, um, the way I just I would describe libertarianism, and it took me a while to get here, but I'd say like six months ago I arrived here, it is self-ownership and property rights. I mean, that's the yeah. only way you can describe it. And Drew I Hancock agree. was kind of instrumental in making me realize that because there is legitimate authority. If you own your property, you have right. authority over your property. So. Right. I and think that's my problem some... with defining it as anti-authoritarian. Yeah. Not that I, like, I agree with that, but the problem is then people go, oh, well, for anti-authoritarian, that means authority is bad, which I think that leads to a lot of the Lawbert takes where it's just like, you know, fuck any rules, fuck hierarchy, yeah. fuck, you know, right. it's like... You know me, I'm um, the king of Lawbert takes. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> You're our token Lawbert, Will. Yeah, I know, man. I know. <laughs> Because we'll accept you, though, because they won't by the way, accept I, you. The by, by the way, off topic, I upgraded from drinking my wine out of a bottle to out of a coffee mug. So, hey, I mean, progress. We'll get there one day. Uh, Liam and I are still rednecking it. but We don't have any wine glasses because we're not big wine drinkers. And when my wife drinks wine, she just drinks it out of the bottle because she's a godless heathen. So. <laughs> so, I was going to say, when I first got into the Libertarian Party, um, one of the first people I met who was trying to like get me set up in the county here as the chair, he was he was like telling me that we should be against corporations because he's like, well, aren't libertarians against authority? He's like, shouldn't we be against business? And um, at that point, I was like, well, there seems to be something like just authority, and that that's through like voluntary interactions and and property. Like like I I yeah. think that you know. Um, I don't know. Dave Smith is is you know an authority in this movement, but I don't think that that makes him an authoritarian. Yeah. Well, if you hire somebody and you have a contract, like I'm going to hire you to put this fence in for me, you have authority over that person that you've hired because there's a contract and you're paying him to do something. So if he isn't doing what you want and you show up and say, Hey, fuck stick. Like I want this fence built this way. You have legitimate authority over him to tell him that because you have a contract right. and you're paying him. So there are like, there are legitimate forms. Well, here, I have a, I have a real life example actually. Um, so I became chair of my local County affiliate back in February. Status. And, yeah. No. I know. <laughs> and then we had our uh, state convention uh, here in Pennsylvania. And there were a couple people in my county who were running. So there was one who was running for, who was trying to get the endorsement for lieutenant governor. And the other one was supporting, they were like the campaign manager for Joe Solosky, who was trying to get the governor nomination. And uh, we noted both of them. <laughs> and because, they were like rabidly anti-Mises and had a bunch of Walbert takes. And then the uh, we, we ended up finding a loophole in our bylaws to sort of like, not really a loophole, it's just if the convention notice somebody, the board can vote to nominate somebody instead. So that's what we did. Well, these people who are just happened to be in my county, 
they decided that they were going to run anyway, but without the endorsement, which, well, yeah. <laughs> this is just a very accurate description of this show. So. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I mean, pretty yes. <laughs> um, so uh, where was I? Okay. So these two people in my affiliate decided that they were going to run as independent. Well, so the one was going to, the one who was running for Lieutenant governor, she decided to continue running as Lieutenant governor, but as an independent, which with a conflict of interest, because she was, now running against our actual endorsed lieutenant governor candidate, who was not only like in our state party, but we we're all in the same county party. Um, so, and then the other person was going to still be the campaign manager for the person who got noted for the governor candidacy. And so we had a problem with that. We were like, listen, like, you know, if we're supposed to be the libertarian party and we're supposed to be running libertarian candidates and you guys want to be in our party, but run candidates against our people, that kind of seems like you're not being a team player. And they were like, Oh, well you're, you're being very authoritarian and trying to, you know, control what people do in their personal lives. And we were like, well, no, like, I mean, like it was like libertarianism isn't saying you can't tell me what to do ever. It's like, it's kind of what you said, Reed, and this is what we told them. It's like if you're part of a voluntary arrangement, you know, whether it's a business, whether it's a charity, whether it's a political organization, like, yeah, there are rules that come with those associations. And if you break people's rules, they have the right to, you know, inflict the the right penalty upon you, which is usually like you get kicked out of the group or you get kicked off the person's property. Also, which is what we did with these people. Uh, democracy is only illegitimate in a governmental form because people don't consent. But if you're all consenting members of a group and you vote yeah. on something, then guess what? It is a legitimate, um, it is a legitimate form of deciding something like in the libertarian party. When we vote for chair in Reno, that is going to be a legitimate election because everyone has consented to being in that party and voting in that election. So a lot of people are like, you know, they, 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 they can't see how it's different if you're in a voluntary organization that you're voluntarily paying money toward and voluntarily voting in. It's completely different than if you're just born in a country and you never sign a contract or anything. And they say, OK, we're taking this much of your money in. We're drafting you at this age and you have to follow all these rules. It's, it's a completely different situation right it's like yeah, you can't show up to work you can't show up to your your job site naked you know right. what i mean like it's, it's yeah i, I mean we always hear like <laughs> the reason prags like hate the mises caucus or at least one of the initial reasons was because they we were using the the takeover language and they were like well isn't this aggression and if you don't have aggression like defined through property rights then i don't think that you you can really have a sense of what just authority is and then then you kind of seed that over to them. And I, I think that it is this kind of the loose uh, resistance to authority in general that has kind of led to that belief. All right. So let me back up here a little, a little bit here. So like I threw out anti-authoritarianism. It's like, I would say that's self-ownership and property rights is libertarianism in its purest form. Uh, that's where I would absolutely agree with everything y'all were saying on the points and authoritarianism, I, I wasn't referring to that as like 
legitimate authority in situations like that can mean a million different things. I'm, I'm meaning like in the sense of like government force, like the like communism and fascism can be the like the authoritarian expressions of government. And that's where libertarianism stands kind of like in equal opposition from those two flavors of government. Now, mm-hmm. that's kind of like big tent, small tent. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like in its purest form where property rights and self-ownership broadened out, there is room for some of these lefties to like be in the party and be part of it. But we could, we're, our mission is to kind of like, center us on pure libertarianism as far as messaging. Okay, well, if you're going to bring the lefties, I'm going to bring the theocrats, okay? Yeah. To to your point, though, Will, I think you cannot be a libertarian but not be in opposition to libertarianism. So you can be like a left anarchist, but you're not necessarily going to be a problem in a libertarian society right like as long as you're not actually taking things from other people and impeding on their property rights even if you yourself don't believe in property rights as long as you go along with it you're not an obstruction is that kind of what you're saying yeah yeah i would say like the lefties that that don't understand property rights or don't respect them uh yeah they're not libertarian but like you know, there are mutualists that have these ideas of voluntary, you know, communist. I, I would you know, say just like yeah. Amish, like with the, the, you know, like the. Uh, I would consider uh, mutualists libertarians, although they they're that's about as far like that's the outer limit of, of where I would put. This it. is Joseph Audrey. Smith territory in the Christian world, you know, like <laughs> as far as you can go and still be like. Yeah. Um. Like they just like yeah yeah. <laughs> I was gonna go on to like a fucking obscure Pat Robertson reference, but let's just <laughs> oh gosh no let's please let's leave oh, the so- seven hundred club at the, uh, the whatever time of TV it comes on. So so since we're talking it. about property rights and uh, Christianity and all this stuff, like this is I, I kind of want to um, talk about Disney a little bit and what's going on in Florida. So. I, I liken what's going on with Disney and DeSantis to what happened to Derek Chauvin. And I'm going to make everyone mad with this take because I know Will and I disagree on this, but I don't think Derek Chauvin actually murdered George Floyd. I think he accelerated his death. So I think manslaughter is a reasonable charge, but I think he died because of all the fentanyl in his system. And unless he had had immediate medical attention, he would have died whether or not Derek Chauvin was kneeling on him. So I don't think that the court decision that was made was actually correct with charging him with, I think second and third degree murder. However, I'm kind of like, fuck him. It's Derek Chauvin. He's a dirty cop who shot a Native American in the back and got away with it and had like, I think, 22 infractions on his record that had never been dealt with. So I felt this. I feel the same way about DeSantis and uh, Disney. Like, I can't really get behind what DeSantis is doing and what the Florida government is doing. But at the same time, it's kind of nice to see conflict between this huge corporation and the governor 
in a state. Like I'm glad that they're at odds. Um, but I don't, what do you guys think about what's going on there? Because I, I do think it's weird to see libertarians endorsing the government, like taking it out on businesses. And I understand that, like I got into this with Clint on tower gang, we were talking about this and I completely understand what he's saying about how the government favored big corporations during lockdowns and screwed over small businesses. I completely agree with that. I don't think taking the government and using it against big business is going to pan out in the end. I don't think that that's going to have an equitable I outcome. The, so. I don't think it's the uh, strategy that's going to lead to freedom, but I also don't care if people do right. it. No, no, I, I kind of agree exactly with, with you. Disney. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's kind of, it, it, this is actually a, this is sort of a critique that left libertarians have that I think is correct. Like I think corporations are not the, the, the line is so blurred between private and public publicly owned and government powers with a corporation that I, I, I basically take the stance that corporations are almost uh, government created entities and not true free market creations. So it's mm -hmm. almost like, this is two rival gangs fighting it out. And it's like, uh, I don't really care for either. So the, the best case scenario is they, they, uh, they kill each other off yeah, at the right. same time and, and we're all better off for it. I just think, um, like I agree with, uh, and I used to think exactly the opposite. Like right after I'd come off of Tulsi's campaign, I'd had all this left wing influence about corporations and, I initially thought like in some ways, like the corporations that robbed us in 2020 almost owed us some sort of reparation for getting all that money from us through our taxes that the government forcefully took from us and gave to them. I was kind of on that bandwagon, but then I started realizing like, this is literally the same thought line of thought as literal reparations. And like, where does I it I was end? just gonna say that. Yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was so just gonna make that point. Yeah. So like I've gotten to the point where, you know, I agree that like the line is blurred. It's hard to tell what's private and what's state run. I think the solution is not to increase that blurriness by having the government regulate corporations even more. I think the separation is what needs to happen. So I just I think weaponizing corporations against or sorry, weaponizing the government against corporations is going to create more fascism, more communism, it, not less. Is of there it, a so. difference between using the federal government against corporations and using a local state government? Because I, I generally take the stance that um, and this is similar to like my stance on on uh, abortion laws where like I'm against federal laws banning or protecting abortion but i am in a strategical sense uh in favor of states passing individual abortion laws not because it's a, a libertarian end in and of itself but it's sort of it's sort of a step of decentralization i think to mm -hmm. to to promote the idea of like normalizing at least more local government like so instead of people looking to Washington, D.C. to solve a problem. Now they're actually more um, in like, OK, now they're looking to their governor, which is not the I, not that's not the end goal. But, you know, OK, it's their governor. And then 
when people are unhappy with the governor, then you just got to push them to the mayor as the next level. You know what I mean? And just keep. Yeah. I also want to point out, like when I'm talking about this, I mean, like, what would I do if I were in the Florida legislature? Like, would I vote for this bill? Probably not. But when it comes to like, what are states going to do? At this point, I don't give a fuck. Like, if California wants to become a communist hellhole, I endorse that decision at this point. It's like, go for it. Like, be as insufferable as you can. Like, destroy all the businesses in your state. Like, I've gotten to the point where I don't care, like, about the collective nation anymore. I actually want to see what happens. So, like, from a sideline, like audience member i actually support what desantis is doing just to see what happens because i'm interested to find out but when we're that's not really the conversation that's taking place most of the people are talking about like is this the right move to make or is this the libertarian thing to do like the libertarian thing to do versus like what's the most entertaining or what do i want to see happen to kind of experiment with what the outcomes are going to be is is different so like I mean, if if DeSantis... what is the libertarian thing to do in politics, though? You know what I mean? Like, there's well, yeah, those... no, I, I don't want to like stop DeSantis from doing anything. It's just if I were in Florida as a state legislature, a state legislator, what would I do? Like in that position, that's I different don't... than like watching from us, you know, afar and seeing what happens. It's in my opinion, if, at least. But... Yeah, if I if I lived in Florida, I don't think I I would support it, and I tend to agree with the you know, trying to emphasize state power above national power. But that's, I think, only when you are rejecting national authority that already exists. And um, if if Disney was granted certain benefits from the federal government, maybe that would be a different thing. Um, and, and maybe they are. And maybe Florida is nullifying those in a sense. But I think because the benefits, as I understand them, have gone or have come from the state itself. Um, I, I almost think that this is a form of centralization. Um, and I, I think that the, the thing you would want to do as a legislator would be to, I mean, expand the benefits that were given to Disney and apply them to everyone else. I mean, that's, that's the libertarian answer here. And the, the cringe kind of conservative take is I saw someone saying that like, um, they're for free markets, but not when, uh, you know, corporations favor the left or something like that. And I just, I, what, I don't what know. What benefits specifically would you say need expanded? Just so like Disney was given like um, tax credits and tax breaks and essentially were like a free market zone and were able to regulate themselves. And I mean, there were like no potholes in, in Disney because they they didn't have to wait for the government to do it. Like they they were essentially exempt from state regulation they run everything they run the security they do their their uh, municipalities like that they handle it and they handle it better than most of the state of florida there's other well bring you i haven't watched it yet but you were talking about clint's show with uh napolitano can you tell us in on that yeah clint talked to judge uh napolitano and it's basically you know central decentralization is going to um fix this on the local level outside of DeSantis's uh, grandstanding here, because um, what it's going to take to pass this is going to have to be like the members of the local county board to okay it. And they're all um, residents of that area and employees of Disney. 
so they're not going to vote for it. So this is all just kind of culture war cheerleading stuff that DeSantis is throwing up, trying to like act like he's coming at Disney in some kind of significant well, way. Well, I would say you 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 would almost want a good cop, bad cop. Be like, if I was if I was on the state legislature, I would I would basically be like, listen, my ideal solution would be let's expand the benefits that we're giving to Disney to other businesses. But if you guys aren't going to go along with that, well, then, you know, the, then the backup plan is, is, is this, but again, have I think. Ever, have you ever heard of the villages, the villages in Florida? Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, there's a huge community, like a retirement community. They kind of have similar like situations with the Florida government where they're, you know, controlling their own municipalities, security. I think uh, they might, I think they do security too there and stuff. And this is, you know, these are, this is libertarianism working. Like Disney might be woke and cringe and all that kind of shit that we hate or whatever. Like, well, I would, it would be very unlikely that I would be on the state legislator because I don't, like I focus on the local level. So, but if I think if you're, if you managed, if you had an avenue to get there and you find yourself there, you know, I, I, I would like, rather than waste your vote by doing nothing, I would at least pick one of the, the two options that, you know, either expanding the benefits or, or, or at least like doing something against Disney, even if it's not the ideal libertarian move. I just don't know. To Let's... me, it's like when it comes to politics, like I don't, I think it's very rare if we're at the federal or the state level governments, you're going to find perfect libertarian moves. You're just going to find moves that are, you know, well, even the somewhat less problematic than others, even the constitutionality of it is like suspect because I think there's pretty much, and I'm pretty sure the judge made this point. Um, you can't punish um, someone's, like this is all over Disney's opposition to the don't say gay bill right. or whatever, which, you know, I agree, whatever. That's a whole nother conversation to have. Well, no, no, finish what you were saying with, I agree. Cause people are, gonna <laughs> I agree. We should be teaching kids about gender and all, no. like, I, I'm just saying like, there's, I agree. Hmm. Teach them that there's only two. Yeah. No, 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 Will. I mean, you should state your opinion on the bill because people might be surprised by your take. They might take you out of context there. So, on the okay. parents' rights bill, like, what do you think? About yeah, it? yeah, I agree with the parents' rights bill of just like not teaching kids in third grade to like or. Third I just grade wanted you to state grade. that because some people might think you. <laughs> That's fine. They they can. I, I don't care. But like, <laughs> but but even just take that out of it. Disney's just opposing that. And that's their first amendment rights to oppose that. And this is a state using their power to punish them in a way of like a pre-existing contract. And I'm pretty sure there's something that the judge was talking about. I'm not a law guy, but, but there's a thing about like fucking the state cannot interfere with contracts they've made, especially with their own like contracts they've made and the state of florida made this contract back in the 50s is worked out you know for the state and for disney obviously we've seen it as a positive and this is how capitalism even when like it's you know the the shitty version of corporatism coming in here and taking advantage of it where normies like us can't it still benefits because like market forces just create goods that people want to consume yeah, yeah, I think 
go ahead. To me, it's like I can disagree with their agenda or whatever, what they, they believe about the bill. But like if if the state were to go through with this, as I understand what would, would happen, I think it would be just more invasions of, of property rights here. It would be the state, th- though I though I would like it to be applied equally across the state, they would be imposing restrictions on property rights in doing this. And I think I have to advocate against that, even if Disney's agenda, I personally disagree with. So the interesting thing to me about all this is the argument has become about creating an even playing field where that's not at all what this has to do with. It's all about Disney opposing DeSantis. And I agree with DeSantis in the argument. Like, I don't want, if there are government schools, which there are, I'm completely fine with a bill that doesn't allow you to sexualize K through four or K through three or whatever. Like, I think that's completely reasonable. And they decided to take a stand against it because they suck. But that is the reason this is happening, because they stood in opposition to DeSantis. So to me, this is almost more of a free speech thing. But on top of this, you know, DeSantis is kind of grandstanding on this opposition to basically a state, you know, like a mini state, which is Disney or whatever. His opposition to child grooming and predatory uh actions toward children or whatever but he is like the biggest supporter of israel ever he is the most pro-zionist governor in the united states he won't let state contractors work for florida unless they sign an agreement that they will not support bds he banned bds in florida um and he's, he's just incredibly incredibly supportive of israel and Israel is the state behind the mega group that funded Epstein through Les Wexner. <laughs> and so to me, this whole thing is just so ironic to like grandstand on that opposition to child sexual predatory behavior or whatever, but then just be so supportive of Israel. And it's not like he's just a traditional Republican supporting Israel. Like he is explicitly pro-Israel and that's just extremely ironic to me. And I was making a big deal about it on Twitter today, but uh, I just want to hear your guys thoughts on that. No, it's that's, that's the thing, ain't it? It's like all this kind of stuff. He's uh he's fighting Disney and everybody's watching that and they're making a hero out of the dude. And then when you look like take five minutes to like, look at him critically and he's just not this, savior of the the union that people are trying to make him out to be he'll probably he is a contender for the next president but i i'm i am disheartened to see libertarians kind of like hold him up as like the savior of the union because he's not he he is he is a child of the state like he has made his bones being a servant of the state as a lawyer in guantanamo bay and like a absolute lapdog for israel like, yeah, as as like a Montanan, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find like a reason to really care about Florida, like Jacob said, to kind of agree with him on the state's rights point. But like, you know, I, I think the reason that this conversation does matter is because he will be a contender for the presidential race. And yeah. I mean, if if that's the context behind this entire conversation, then then we really have to <laughs> we I think that. 
you know, if, if that's the context behind this, then we really have to talk about everything else. Um, cause I could say like as a governor, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. And I tend to agree with, you know, his personal beliefs, but if, if he is running for president, we have to, we have to think about like these policies that we're seeing at the state level and how they might centralize power. If he were to run for, for president, if he, you know, pursued the same agenda there. Yeah. I mean, that's the concern to me. Like I look at him basically like Obama, you know, just on the right, the right wing version of Obama. Obama was, you know, railing against the Iraq war and also insisting that we should reinstate habeas corpus. But if you peeled the onion open and you looked at the guy, you'd realize, whoa, he sounds good on the surface and he's really rhetorically good on a couple of these really important issues right now but man like once he gets in he's he's absolutely horrible and i think people's willingness to do their research and their homework and really look into people as is at an all-time low because things are so bad but you know the pendulum's swinging and this is i get so sick of this like anyone who honestly tells me that i don't criticize the left is just out to lunch like thinking that I don't go after the left or don't criticize left-wing culture, it's ridiculous. But all the Republicans and the right-wing need to do is embrace freedom now because that's that's the problem is that we've been trying to impose our ideas through force on each other all this time. If the left, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, when they started taking over, if they had truly embraced free speech, which is something that used to be a bastion of the left was like freedom of expression or whatever. If they had truly embraced that instead of going way beyond that and pushing this woke bullshit and insistence of acceptance of everything on people, that that would have been great. And they didn't. They went way too far and they overplayed their hands. So now the right's going to take it again. So now I'm trying to tell the right, like, you guys need to not do this, too. You need to not fucking swing this thing all the way back and push all your values on everybody through force. And... I, I agree, but, I, but like, they're going to. Oh, of course like they it's, are. It's, it's like uh, it, it, there's no stopping it. Like, it, it's just they're, they're still caught in that reactionary cycle. So insofar as they're going to do it no matter what I say, it's like, well, I'm going to encourage them it it's at least better and i'm going to encourage the development that this is happening at a state level and not at a federal level you know what i mean because i think that's like the next step and, and really the left is starting to even uh go go down this route too is like people are starting to realize that it's better for us to sort of govern ourselves as 50 individual states than as one nation and you see that happening on both the left and the right and again, that's not libertarian. Like, you know, I'm not saying that uh, 50 states all having different abortion policies or different policies on what you can teach in schools is the libertarian end, but it's a a, a step in the right direction. So well, I, I think, think it is the libertarian I think, I think it, end. Well, I mean, it, well, I, all I mean is that I, I would continue to go further and not just stop at 50 sure. individual states. But I think it's like, it, you know, for a while I was like, hey, let's stop fighting this culture war. And then I realized nobody was listening to me and nobody cares to listen to that message as much as I would love them to. So maybe the next step is, OK, fight your culture war, but uh, realize that 
you're better off fighting it at the local level than at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be what libertarians have to start uh, start preaching, I think. Or move to New Hampshire. This is actually, this is why I'm moving to New Hampshire. Like it's a lot of it's because I'm from there, but I realize that exact thing, that exact thing you're talking about. And you're in love with Jeremy Kaufman. And I'm in love with him. I'm not just, war is not the only thing that's gay, believe me. Um, (laughs) But uh, no, like I started realizing this several months ago that, um, you know, because I was thinking in 2021, like maybe this is a great opportunity to kind of red pill the right on all the institutional force that exists that subjugated them over the last two years. And maybe we can kind of convince them that it's time to get rid of it. But instead, like they just, they're just embracing swinging the pendulum back in the other direction. So I realized there's just a, not enough people who think the way I do in this country to make any sort of substantial change. And so then I, you know, everyone's moving to New Hampshire who doesn't want the culture war shit, who just wants to be embarrassingly libertarian and just cringe the hell out of everyone who doesn't like it. So they just leave. That's, that's why I'm going there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, what, what bugs me is there's been this false dichotomy that's been presented that it's either California or Florida and that 48 other States don't exist. Like Liam lives in Montana, Montana, even though it's what he was telling us before his school system kind of sucks, but Montana in general is not like Florida or California. Like it's very different. And then Pennsylvania has its own culture. Like we have tons of different States that are doing tons of different things. So this idea that you need right-wing strongman governing or left-wing strongman governing, I think it's just bullshit. Like there's tons of other options, but we're being purposefully led down this trail of thinking it's Florida or California and you have no other options. If you're not willing to get hundred percent behind DeSantis, you stand with Newsom and all the leftist authoritarians. And that's bullshit. Like you don't have to, there's plenty of other options. I mean, I'm living in Utah. We've been as free as Florida for over a year. I haven't worn a mask here unless I was in an airport, which I don't even have to do anymore. I haven't worn a mask in like, I don't know, what, 16, 17 months in Utah. I haven't had to at all. So it's just like this fake idea that it's these two options, I guess, is what I'm saying. Have either of y'all had to wear masks late, like lately, like in anything? I haven't. No, I can't. Last time I had to wear a mask was when I had to go get drug tested for my new job. And that was like in an actual like doctor's office kind of setting. So I didn't fight it too much. Um, so, yeah, like, so if you around here, it's like if you go into a hospital, they make you wear masks. Yeah, I forgot. Um, that's, that's, like a, that's like the only place, which is like, you know, in a hospital, it's not as big of a deal to me. Like, if there's any place that maybe makes sense to wear a mask, it would, even though I think they're mostly useless, but I, I don't know. It, it's it, it's not a hill I'm going to die on. But yeah, slope. we. What? No, a, a ski slope is a good place to wear a mask. I was just kidding, but. Oh yeah, a movie a movie theater uh, is also a good place to wear a mask <laughs> if you get the. Uh, yeah, um, so yeah, no, I haven't had to wear a lot of. I mean, really, we were pretty. Qu- I mean, by September twenty twenty, most of my county was not wearing masks. But it's like super. We're a super red county here. Yeah. The state, the state overall was really good, but um, we've kind of had our own political battle in the state. Uh, 
I mean, that's, that's why I kind of feel like this whole conversation is weird and I have to justify it by saying I'm just rejecting the personality worship of, of uh, DeSantis because he's, he's likely going to run for president is because we have our own conflicts here in Montana that I think are more important and everyone should look into their state um, right. in, in Montana here, like most of the state went without masks, but then the school system was imposing masks on everyone. And we had to wear them here up until like last fall. Actually, I think it was probably January when, when we stopped and uh, you know, that took like the, the other university in Montana, Montana state. Um, there's this really great libertarian guy, Dylan Dean, who, uh, he, he made the national news because he he was protesting and organized a huge protest against against the mask mandate and a bunch of the professors like called him a retard in their emails and like and <laughs> all of the emails um, made national news. Uh, but then my school has been just terrible. Like we we are like the Portland of Montana. They're they're trying to replicate Portland here. If, if, if they could, they would. But um, well, the, the university system is pretty terrible. And that, let me clarify. Our laws have been terrible. It's just that law enforcement hasn't given a fucking shit about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, except like in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, which, by the way, the other, another uh, little tangent is that 2020 <coughs> until now has completely uh, red-pilled me on the idea that cities are a lost cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, same same in Utah. Like twenty, I moved here in June of 2020, and when I initially moved here, there was nothing, as far as I remember, no mask mandates or anything. I didn't get any lockdowns when I was in Utah. I think they were before I moved here, um, <clears throat> and then they had mask mandates, and I just put it on at first because I just didn't really give a shit. Just and I I didn't have to wear it all day or anything. I was just going into the gas station, and then. After a while, I made the decision, I'm just not going to wear a mask. And if they kicked me out, they kicked me out. So I just stopped wearing a mask and no one said anything. Like, And this was still in 2020 and then, you know, all through 2021. Um, and I think once in 2021, I had to put a mask on or leave. And unfortunately, <laughs> I was in New Mexico and I was at an Indian reservation and had to get fuel and there was nowhere else to get fuel. And they had like a temperature reader and everything right at the door with an armed guard. So I was like, okay, fine, whatever. But uh, yeah, there, I mean, it was just mostly you just didn't have to follow the rules and no one would do anything about it. Yeah, Montana, we were one of the earlier states to pass like that. Um, what is it? The vaccine discrimination law that, that Florida did. I think we may have even... We may have done that before. So then there was the, the libertarian debate about whether or not states should do that too. Um, so they they like right now their discrimination against vaccine status is is illegal in the state. Yeah, right on. That's like when I see any kind of like state action and it's like protecting your personal rights. I'm a, I'm I'm all for that. That. See, this this kind of goes remember that debate you guys were having i wasn't really taking a side in it but it was the the abortion debate like what like yeah. whether we should have the supreme court or not i think that was the and will you were making the argument that if the supreme court happens to make a decision that advances human liberty in general 
like you'd support it. And Liam was saying like we should get rid of the Supreme Court because we don't want, you know, well, a few just... justices deciding something. But it's an interesting like if yeah, the state I... happens to like make a law that does advance human liberty, is that a good thing or is it bad because the state did it? Like this is a weird. <laughs> it's but I think weird. it's yeah. not even. It's not even to me just about like is it good or bad like over what time span is it good or bad and what are the un like, what are the long term consequences and to me it's like I can acknowledge that it, let's say we got a federal bill passed for constitutional carry okay uh, that would be short term good but I think that even something like that which seems like a slam dunk is a long term. Uh, detriment to what we're trying to do because we're still normalizing in the minds of people that the solution to our problems is to go to the federal government and beg for them to to give us our rights. And it's like, no, that's not a good, that's not a winning long-term strategy because for every one time you might get them to do something good for for human liberty, they will do a million bad things. Well, wouldn't you say the Bill of Rights, though, like over time has been a positive, even no. though like, like we're no. all, all right. the anti-federalists were, were correct. The Bill of Rights was a, was a mistake. Like, we're all spooner peeled here, right? Like a little bit. But like where it comes to like, I don't know. just the whole bottle think... of pills. It's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> but my point, like where the government like the federal government has instituted a right to free speech and a right to like arming yourself i think that has like produced more of a culture of free speech that we've been raised in and like a culture of being able to arm yourself against whatever i feel like i feel like i'm in the batman meme where he's gonna slap robin across the face right now i'm batman <laughs> i kind of I agree am batman you are alfred <laughs> I, I kind of have to agree with Will here that as ineffective as the Constitution has been, it has maintained a modicum of freedom that a lot of other countries have not enjoyed. Like freedom of, I mean, remember when Jordan Peterson first became big over the whole pronouns thing in mm -hmm. Canada? Like, I mean, we're starting to sort of get there slowly here, but I think the reason we're behind Canada is because of our constitution uh you know i i think it has made a slow difference i certainly don't think it's done nearly enough but i don't think it's done nothing anymore i, I but think it, the... but it also created the 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 um it, it created the precedent that has continued uh where people are people believe that rights come from the government and sure. so I, I i don't know i i still think that like I, I hear what you're saying, and I'll grant you that the having something like the Second Amendment is even good. Like so, in the same way, the First Amendment has created maybe sort of a cultural or national identity around free speech. The Second Amendment has helped preserve that for gun rights. So I'm not saying that no good comes out of it at all, but it, it is sort of one of those things that's impossible to prove. Like what would have happened in the absence of the bill of rights. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we would be closer to, to, to decentralization of, of powers if we didn't have the bill of rights, because people have for the last 250 years, you know, fought most of the battles at the federal level instead of the state level. 
Like decentralization doesn't like I know we're we're all pushing for it as a like a solution to the overstepping of the federal government. So like I'm I'm merely like playing the devil's advocate here, but like decentralization is not necessarily good. Well, you time. are a Satanist. I'm, yes, <laughs> hell Satan. I was so, it. but but you get what I'm saying, like like even well, I think say we I think that's a, a good point, but like because I think that the problem isn't so much so because you're right in that what a decentralized state might do isn't necessarily good, but I think that we can say that centralization is always bad. So like Rothbard in Ethics of Liberty argues that, I mean, he's pro-life, but he opposed Roe v. Wade because it was the right decision, but centralized. And he said that in any decision that is centralized, but in the right direction should still be rejected because we should oppose centralization. And I think the reason why I specifically argue that for abortion is because there's there's so many right like claims to rights and contradicting claims to rights in that debate itself where you know 50% of the country might argue that there's a right to life and 50% of the country might argue that there's a right to abortion and that's that's such a i mean to use the supreme court's language like political question that it I don't think that it can do the same th- thing as can be done in the Bill of Rights because it hasn't existed this entire time as a concept and it wasn't um, ingrained in the Bill of Rights, I guess. And I think that decisions like those, we should not be um, proactively like centralizing, even if we would would argue that, um, like as you would argue, a, a pro-choice decision would be the right decision. I would say a pro-life decision is the right decision. I, I think we should both still be opposed to centralization in our favorite directions not not to mention i just remembered that the bill of rights was sort of created because a lot of states asked for it and wouldn't sign the constitution without it right if we didn't have it maybe the constitution doesn't get ratified and we're still under the articles of confederation which was a much better a much better document in terms of uh some sort of collaboration between uh sovereign states so well if we take this back far enough we would have listened to samuel and not asked for a king okay yeah well (laughs) (laughs) i'm not necessarily like familiar with the articles of confederation i know what they are but like do they enshrine the rights of like gun ownership and free speech and that kind of stuff well it was it was great because the federal you know what the complaint of the articles of confederation was Uh, the government couldn't tax anyone (laughs) <laughs> they had like no they they had like so such a limited c- capacity to to ask the states for money that like they couldn't do anything and you know of course you you're taught that in school like it's a bad thing and you know right now it's like damn like you know i just got a semi <laughs> yeah yeah i know yeah, it's kind of hard to balance that free speech for the income tax it's like <laughs> no um there's nuance to both sides of this argument. I just... But doesn't, I mean, because, I mean, and, and even insofar as we have normalized free speech in America, like, it hasn't stopped, like, wh- where where are the major attacks on free speech coming from right now, whether it's in America or whether it's in Canada, it's mainly coming from these big tech companies, isn't it? And really the Constitution, like, they, they, they find the government always, and authority, hold on. Let me back up. It's not the government. The authoritarians, whether they exist in the state 
or the existing corporations, they always find a way, you know, the ruling class finds a way to push its agenda upon the people. So, you know, you can create different governing structures, but they're always going to find their loopholes and their ways around it. So, yeah, I think. uh, Go ahead. ahead. No, I've talked too much. Will you go ahead? I'm saying that's why I always lean on like using whatever paper is on the books to defend personal liberty wherever you can. It's not there's no perfect solution to any of this. The authoritarians are going to infect local governments, state governments, federal governments, corporations, everything that we can. Uh, oh, yeah, but you can easily of, correct the local government you really, more, more uh, infinitely correct them than down, you can the, down, the federal. Come down here and try to correct my local government. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you know what the problem is, is that you need more Christians. <laughs> bro we got them <laughs> we're all filled up <laughs> no you got you got those weird mormons down there probably no nah, nah. wait no you know you're uh, not in utah that's all good non-denominational yeah, i've got the lip sock christians yeah. <laughs> i'm got them all here um the uh fuck what was i gonna say i totally had a train of thought but um i forgot it so yeah someone else want to talk <laughs> i i agree with the sentiment that we should like kind of defend the paper that we the document that we're using right now um, to the extent that it can protect rights. And and I think that the art, the reason that I, I'm in favor of decentralization in conversations like abortion is because it's not, I mean, it isn't on paper. Um, it, it specifically says that those issues are uh, delegated to the states. And I, I don't think that like the Supreme Court is the type of body that can, uh, should be engaged in political questions like that. Um, and I also think that like there there's two parts of me where there's like the the spooner side of me that really wants to reject the constitution altogether, but then the other side of me that's like it's what we have right now, and at the very least we should rec- we should look at it like a contract and not allow them to move beyond that because because like the left seems to reject the constitution, but then say we should use it and expand its boundaries where I'm like so long as we have it let's restrain it to what it currently is and then not go beyond that and then hopefully get rid of it later <laughs> i'm going to do the rest of the episode with the spooner laser eyes <laughs> i love it yeah it's funny when you go full circle and get spooner pilled and then you agree with the democrats that the constitution is just a piece of paper <laughs> like you come <laughs> yeah. all the way to that conclusion it's like yeah you guys are right i, I mean i don't agree with you guys on anything as far as conclusions go except for that Dude, the, but, yeah, the left is also incredibly based in in terms of like the the apathy or even the opposition to like american exceptionalism yeah. like that's where the right loses me a lot and oh, and it's yeah, like so i've tried to like reconnect my old patriotic roots to talk to the right a little better but i i just i, I don't know i don't stand or for the national anthem i don't get teary-eyed for the red white and blue like it's just it's a, it's a it you want to talk about a you talk about a cult like you know america the idea like that's to me to me it's just a cult i i have a story about that i uh i accidentally found myself at a john bircher society meeting um because there was a uh i think his name's richard mack he's the sheriff who was involved in like uh essentially created like the constitutional counties where like they would nullify gun laws from the national level and he won at the supreme court they said that they that uh the federal government could not um commandeer local resources and make them like enforce federal gun control policies at the county level 
so he won and I wanted to go visit him, him speak. And I, I found myself at a John Bircher society meeting. I didn't find out until after that it, that it was one. And, uh, they, uh, they had before the event started, this dude literally dressed up as Lincoln, like entirely had the makeup and everything gets up there and has everyone stand up and give the pledge of allegiance. And it was the like craziest thing I had ever seen. I, me, my cousin, and like a couple other guys were the only ones in this forest, just in the middle of a forest, like just sitting down while everyone's standing up with their hand on their, like it was, it was terrible. Yeah. See, this is why I love Biden. And I love that he came after Trump. That's a clip. Because, yeah. This, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is right there. Um, this, uh, you know, Obama, he was awful, obviously, he did all sorts of absolutely terrible things, murdered, you know, over a million people, um, you know, expanded the government, uh, increased the debt, took away civil liberties, just absolutely awful human being. But he had prestige and he had a presence that was commanding and he was respectable as far as being a diplomat goes or whatever. But Trump just like shit all over that. It was beautiful. Like he just kind of destroyed that respect that people had. And then Biden just took that ball and ran it all the way into the end zone. And people do not have. But it's the wrong. But it, but it's like he he picked the ball up and ran the wrong way. Well, like the, right way way for, <laughs> yeah. the right way. The right for way us, for us. Though. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Like nobody get nobody respects the Oval Office anymore. At least very few people do. And I don't think it would have happened without, you know, Trump was sort of like the precursor that got us ready for Biden because he was a disaster, but in a sort of intentional way. And now Biden is just an unintentional disaster. He has no idea what he's doing ever. And it's, it's old I, man. It's the old man yells at cloud meme, but for president. Yeah. And it's <laughs> beautiful. And so many people want a president that's going to unite us and make us feel like a country again or whatever. And unless that's somebody who's at least like relatively good, like Tulsi Gabbard or like maybe like, I don't know who else, Matt Gates, or if he's not really a child rapist or whatever, like <laughs> something like that, like someone who's like sort of based on foreign policy and sort of based on federalism, you know, unless it's someone like that, like I don't want a Ron DeSantis or someone who is truly going to like bring dignity yeah, and like patriotism and belief in the empire back. Like that's a really scary thought. I, we I should endorse the trajectory we're on. We should endorse Tulsi Gabbard for the, the GOP ticket because we need a Sean Hannity conservative. Oh, man. Oh, man. But, like, I, I would prefer to have Trump again than DeSantis or someone like DeSantis. Like, Trump is at least a train wreck. And, like, the thing I love about Trump is what most people hate about him. The only thing Donald Trump believes in is Donald Trump. He doesn't believe in anything else. And... He goes along with people like they believe, come on, sign this bill, like come on, support Israel, come on, do this giant weapons deal to Saudi Arabia, whatever. He'll he'll do it, but he doesn't believe in it. And he doesn't convince other people he believes in it. You know, they're like, Yeah, no, come on, that's not really what he thinks. So I just like I, I love this failure of well, the I Empire wish he would. I wish Trump would come out and just be like the most pro Israel 
Republican ever so that the left would actually go back to being being legitimately anti-war. I don't know. The the thing was under Trump, they weren't anti-war, though. That was what was so annoying. Like, Oh, I know. But I'm saying like it's because Trump, like if Trump had come out and been like, I'm going to give Israel the most support ever, no one will support Israel like I would. Then, well, you know, he, maybe he, he I mean, cause they were so that, though. like he did. Yeah. But you could tell he didn't really he he was like his, his, his he rhetoric was, was not... like the most pro-Israel president since like lbj in policy but just you could tell like he doesn't really give a fuck same with like abortion like he was the most pro-life president we've had in a long time but you know like oh it's trump how many women did he pay to have abortions so he doesn't have to have a kid or whatever like did we did we convert will to uh episcopalianism with all the 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 smoke that he's he's given off there i think so have you been to episcopalian (laughs) church will it's quite the experience hey listen i want yeah Disregard all that. Line <laughs> check. Line check. Where are we at? Come oh, on. no. I, I'm not doing well. I'm right here. Amateur. I didn't show. bring the bottle. Show me, with Liam. Show, show me. Mm-mm. Oh, man. Liam. Wow. Liam, Liam you got to take really... five gulps right now before we get further. Come on, Jacob. Where you at? I don't I don't have my bottle down here with me. Just the mug. He's Just one mug? A third You're of a mug. You're going to do a Catholic yeah. communion with one mug of wine? I Listen, filled it up to the, the listeners. Top. For the listeners here, you're not going to get the full capitalist communion experience without ordering rabbit eye wine and drinking along with us with the show. That's what I want to say. Will, this is an exciting time for you at the at the the. So, are you a vineyard or a farm or a winery? Like, what do you call your location anyway? We call it a winery. Like a, a winery, vineyard's right. more like you know grapes have vines and stuff. Right. We're more bushes, but yeah, yeah, we're a winery. We have a we have a vegan in the chat. Uh oh, get it oh, out geez. of here! Get it Adam, out of here! Adam Kokesh showed up. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Will, you're you've got an exciting time going on there. You're making the wine. Like, tell us about it a little bit. How does it work? Well, you know, like um, we basically like our main our main crop. We we package and freeze in like a local freezer. So kind of we like work off of that throughout the year. And stuff so yeah I'm, I'm making a match of actual brightwell right now the newest batch um you know did the pressing if y'all follow my twitter you'll see a little bit of that and stuff but uh yeah we got that the primary fermentation down and we've uh pumped it into the the main tank and it'll sit there for like six months and we'll test it and you know do the whole process but i mean i can go through the whole process but i think that'd bring our show to us a, a screeching halt like well first we add our you know add our yeasts and and enzymes and such but but um you know get me a new batch harvest season's coming up within a month i'm a full till boogie on busy busyness around here so uh it's just listen if jesus walked the earth today and was turning water into wine it'd be rabbit eye blueberry wine there yeah. you go, man. There That's you go. I'm gonna have to put that on the bottle. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna trademark that though. Need royalties on that. <laughs> I'll get you on the back end, brother. By the way, Will, here's a question for you. So I'm a I'm a fan of Jesus. Like I, I really like Jesus a lot. And mm-hmm. um I also like a lot of the Bible, but um, and I know we've talked about this a little bit, but like 
what do you what do you think about Jesus in general? Like you you a fan or what would you say overall? Hmm. <laughs> um all right. If he existed. Keep in mind that if. I've already I've already yeeted uh Reed and Jose. So you will be yeah, next. But you took it out on my... Liam this time instead of <laughs> your your, Listen, your voodoo I, power I was, is I off. I was running late. It was it was aimed at Will, but yeah, like I was rushing, I was late. Shot. So but I, he, you know, he thought Liam was gonna bit. be in the upper right, and then yeah. Will ended up there and he's like, God damn it, like <laughs> I just got the wrong spot. <laughs> so like Jesus, the uh the character that we've put a like, we've made in in Christian or whatever. Like I'm trying, I'm not trying to be offensive, like whatever Jesus, if he existed or not or whatever, like the character that, uh, or person that we, we perceive in our culture. I think a lot of people give that as like a perfect human. And and that gives people like a, uh, almost like an outline of how to live their life. And I think there's been a lot of positives that our culture has taken from, from that, especially like, it's kind of like, I, I attribute Jesus the idea as something that that put a lot of the pacifism into Western uh, society, like like through through our religious beliefs, like at least something that resembles pacifism, the best version of any Abrahamic religion, um, pushing that into Western society and maybe liberalizing us some way. Um, other than that, like the character Jesus of Jesus, was a, he was a raging liberal for his day. Like for his way. day, he was, yeah, he like, was for, for sure. sure, yeah, for sure. And then, but you know, I, I would, uh, I could get very um, cringe atheist in my like critique of like the morality behind the lessons that Jesus teaches. But I mean, we can get into it if you want to. Oh wait, wait, wait! Are you the one that like Jesus was? uh like, like uh the like thought crime and stuff like you know like what he said on the sermon on the mount like is that your critique or no not necessarily i just kind of think that there's um the problem i have with the morality behind all abrahamic religions is that it's it's almost like coercion like how we look at the state it's like um taxation is theft or whatever like just like the 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 fear of being punished is why we pay our taxes. It's kind of the same way I look at like the output of like what Yahweh tells us, like the worship of, we must worship him or Jesus worshiping him, whatever flavor of Jesus or Yahweh you're, you're taking in. Um, you have to like, you're almost like you worship him or you go to hell or non-existence or whatever there it's almost like a morality under threat of violence spiritual violence i would say it's more a morality under threat of natural consequences because the actual view of hell i mean what there's, not like... one, there's not well no listen there's not one unified christian view on hell but what is sort of the unified orthodox view is that you either uh obey god and you you submit to the natural order god has uh decreed and therefore you get closer to god or if you rebel against god and his natural order well god is actually not going to coerce himself upon you and so if you rebel against him you will just end up in you know if you continue that 
throughout life into death and past death and you continue to reject him, well, then you will just either exist in a realm that is absent of God, which we would call hell, or there's the annihilationist theory, which is you would just cease to exist because God is the essence of being and to exist without God is a contradiction. So, so Jacob, that, that, have you read C.S. Lewis much? Yeah. So the great divorce and then also um, the last battle in Narnia, I find interesting. Do you remember in the last battle, there's that Tash. That's the bad guy, right? That they worship Tash, I think is his name. I don't know. if Do you know Narnia at all? Or I, I did the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I never really okay. went past that. So in the last battle, which is... It's been fucking 20 years since I've read it. But, yeah, I read um, more nonfiction of C.S. Lewis than his fiction, unfortunately. Yeah, but the... Uh, so the... the I forget what the name of the soldiers are, but they have this god on their side or leader that they worship, and his name is Tash. And then Aslan, who is the lion who represents Jesus or whatever. Yeah. During this battle, there's this soldier from the other side that... <clears throat> recognizes that he's been wrong about whom he's been supporting and aslan says something along the lines of when you were supporting tash in the right way you were supporting me and that's kind of a c.s lewis theme throughout a lot of his books that's very controversial with a lot of christians like he's saying you know it doesn't matter what name you're saying or what book you're reading or whatever as long as you are yeah. emulating me, that's what matters. Do you think that has any merit? Or I do, I do, and 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 I understand the criticism that it gets from a lot of Christians because it can kind of seem to be a slippery slope into like a woo-woo universalist sort of like you know do whatever you want. But I think that you know there are. I mean, this is actually I think in the Bible Jesus talks about how there will be a lot of people who say, you know, Lord, we cast out demons and we did great works in your name. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not. And and, and this is sort of what uh, Jordan Peterson talks a lot, talks about a lot, too, which is like belief is not just what you proclaim to be true, either in your most surface level thoughts or what you you, you speak into existence because there's a lot of people that can say, I believe in X, but they don't really believe it because true belief is transformative. And sometimes true belief is, is the opposite of what's on the surface level. It's more what you act out. It's those, it's sort of like what you worship as a matter of like the foundation of your being. And yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there who it, it, essentially they live a life after God but they just, you know, they, they don't, maybe they're not the most well-read in scripture or the Bible, or they haven't even given religion a thought. But I think that, I, I think that the spirit of God somewhat dwells inside them anyway. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like as much as I'm, you know, like my podcast is all about diving deep into the Bible and trying to provide accurate exegesis and, and, harm, and hermeneutical interpretation of it. But Sometimes it's almost like pure religion is almost, this is going to sound really heretical, but sometimes like pure religion can almost be, (laughs) can almost be like to be completely removed from the systems of religion and just, and sort of, cause that's what they, you know, Abraham didn't have the scriptures. 
Right. And 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 like uh neither did Isaac or Jacob or 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 you know maybe with David they started to have some of it a little bit but a lot of it for the longest time was just oral tradition and just like they just knew what was right and wrong and even like the apostles and stuff they didn't have the new testament they just had like their experiences and what they witnessed and 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 the gospel was just them and going out and proclaiming the truth you know just you know saying it as it, as it was and that was it. So there, there's, there, there's, there's good and bad to organized religion, but I, I don't think that you need to be part of the organized religion. That's not what, that's not what saves. Um, to build on that, like you were pointing out, you know, we cast out demons. We gave to the, you know, we did all this in your name. Go away from me. I never knew you. I'm not going to remember what verse it is, but I, uh, he also said, you know, like, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was right, naked, you've you done to the least me. of these. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that kind of fits in with that logic. Do you have you read The Great Divorce? Um, I'm pretty sure I, I have like a giant book that's like all of C.S. Lewis's uh like. So like, it's like this idea that writings. <laughs> there's not like this cut off when you die. It's like a eternal journey, and yeah. some people continue down whatever trajectory they're on after they yeah. die. Yep. And then there's this metaphor of this guy just like building walls around himself. He's just like constantly building a wall. And so right. it's that idea of like eternally separating yourself. Exactly. Because some people will, will say, how can God punish someone for eternity for a finite set of crimes? Right. But the, but the explanation, which C.S. Lewis and others, christian theologians give is that there's no reason to believe that the rebellion against god doesn't continue post-death now well in the book in the book it does though like in the book there are people who do realize oh i was wrong about this and he's right i was about to say that like i i agree with him that if it's true that uh people can continue to rebel against god after death there's nothing in the Bible or anything else that would say that they can't still turn towards God after death. Like we have no idea. And this is why I sort of not like in a, I'm not very like I'm a hundred percent committed to this idea, but I lean towards universal reconciliation because there's that line that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And I think it's like, maybe not in this lifetime, but I think eventually all eventually, see that the the natural order is to turn to god and and at the same time like i I think you know everyone's gonna have things they have to repent for like because we all we all get it wrong you know in some in some small part i mean even paul said that his his vision of his portion of the truth was you know like looking through a dim mirror like it's just you know we're, we're all gonna fall short and get it wrong but the idea like the true Israel, like not this stupid uh, apartheid state, you know, halfway across the world, but the true Israel, the meaning of it is to wrestle with God. And that's what it is. It's it's not about like, I have a perfect understanding of it. It's just, it's it's not running away from the divine, but rather continuing to try to understand it and to orient your life around the pursuit of trying to understand it to live a better life in, in concordance with that natural order, which includes 
you know, peace and harmony among men. So you're the biblical expert here. I'm trying to, re- I mean, I've read the whole thing, most of it many times, but um, I'm trying to remember, is there any like definitive passage where death is the doorway, like where death is the end of opportunity? Because, I mean, it seems like it's sort of just understood, but never explicitly said now that you bring that up. Yeah, I mean, there there are some passages that, that kind of maybe seem to say that, but then it's sort of like, you know, there, there's often a lot lost between translating things from Greek to English and and then right. is it is it is it is it physical death or is it spiritual death? Um, you know, then there's then there's parts in the Bible, you know, th- there are parts in the Bible that talk about, you know, a, a second death, and and then there's the whole book of, you know, Revelations, and and th- there's so much, it, it gets into kind of like your eschatology a little bit, which is probably my weak point. Only not because I haven't studied it, but because it's like. I just get annoyed by Christians who think that they have perfect eschatology because that's such a that's such a dense topic of of biblical study that like I don't think anyone has it right. So I just I, I choose to just acknowledge I don't fucking know rather than to cling on to a a, a flawed eschatological model that I know is probably wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So any comments, Will or Liam? That was kind of the. Uh... We, we nerded out a little bit there yeah. on a <laughs> no, for sure nerded out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I have a comment. Remember, this was the first for... 22 years of my life, so I, I kind of know. Uh, yeah, I, I went down this, but yeah. Go ahead, Liam. I was enthralled. Go, Liam. Yeah, I, I have a comment towards Will's or, original point, just like the idea that following God for the sake or just because God um, – tells you to do something and it's kind of like we're we're resisting an authority or something like that it, and it might be out of coercion i think the the way i think of that is like it, it's somewhat like saying that following um you know just that the law of gravity is coercion if, if you think that that god is truth um then and and i think that the part of your concern comes from like an anthropomorphizing of God, I guess, like making him out to be a human where, where, you know, if I were to tell you to do something and you felt obligated simply because I told it and I would force you to, like, I could see how you would mean that I'm, I'm using force. But if, if you think that God is truth and, and God is like the word, um, it, it's more that like nature itself is constraining you. It's like God God's nature constrains you. God is everything. God is, is truth. And, and it's truth that is constraining. Um, so I think that that's how I, I would address that concern. No, I'm with you, man. And that's, you know, anthropomorphizing. I can't say that word. Cause I'm, yeah, I think I butchered it too. Anthropomorphizing God. <laughs> yeah. He's but like, that's a, guys that's like an interesting <laughs> thing to meditate on. You know what I'm saying? Like sitting there thinking about that. Cause we are, you know, like we're all humans. We're trying to like define this idea of like spiritual authority or like cre- the creator or something. And like the broader you get with those ideas, the less atheist I become. Like of just like, you know, like taking these ideas to like just calling it the truth or like almost like the idea that's propelling all of us towards something. Um, you know, like you could get really heavy 
on all that kind of shit. And um, the less and less you like get a hard definition of what God is, is harder to like deny it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The more, the more vague something is, I think this is what I talked about the first time I was on Jacob's show. Yeah. The more vague something is, the more likely it is to be true just by default. I mean, that's true with anything. Like if you say a bomb fell in Europe today, that's super vague. But if you say like Russia specifically targeted a school house full of 37 children and they did it because, you know, like whatever, like the more specific you get, it's like, okay, I need to see some evidence behind that to believe it or whatever. Um yeah no i mean it intrigues me like i i like these conversations because i actually do want to know and i feel like everyone in this chat wants to know like or everyone i don't know about everyone in the chat but everyone on the stream wants to know and it's so rare to see that so often you have people who are just reinforcing the ideas that they've already had instead of trying to be like whoa let's like really dig into this like I really wanted to hear what Jacob had to say about C.S. Lewis and, you know, that whole idea of eternal, um, you know, eternal separation versus trying to get closer to God or whatever. Because I think that's interesting. It's an interesting idea. And I don't really, you know, I don't know what's real. So I want to hear what other people have to say. And that's so rare because people don't like to come out of their comfort zone. And the most discomforting thing is realizing that you're wrong about something and that you have to reevaluate. And so that's why people don't have these conversations. And that's why they just call each other, you know, stupid Christians or cringe atheists or whatever, because they don't want to actually dig into this. And it, it comes from every side, whether you're a Muslim, an atheist, a Christian, Jew, whatever, like people want to reinforce their idea without challenging it because they're not interested in truth they're interested in comfort truth is usually uncomfortable right like it's usually like oh shit i was wrong about this i've got to reassess the way i've been going about this like if you find out you have a medical condition that's not a comforting thought but do you want to know or do you just want to live in oblivion and just pretend that you know everything's fine and dandy like i want to know Like, if the Bible is true, that's something I want to know. If all of us are wrong and it's somewhere in the middle and some completely, you know, different thing that none of us are close to being on target about, like, I still want to know. And I think this is, you know, this is kind of in line with libertarianism, that search for finding out what's really going on, because you've been sold this false dichotomy about, the Republicans and the Democrats and about America and terrorism or whatever, like when you start peeling that onion back about America and what America represents and what its government has done, like some of that shit is mighty uncomfortable at first. It's like, whoa, wait, America isn't this bastion of liberalism and freedom and democracy and human rights for everybody. Like they've supported terrorist groups and, you know, legit started wars over false flags and all this shit. Like it's, discomforting but if you want to know you'll look into it and you'll find out what's true 
And that's you what I like the, about you guys. You could say guys. the same about church history, by the way. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Christians who don't want to study church history because there's a lot of uncomfortable things to <laughs> confront there as far as the crap that churches have done. So, but anyway, yeah. continue. No, I mean, that that's basically my thought. Like, um, I really respect people who are willing to peel the onion back and try to find out what is actually going on because... I mean, that just tends to go against human nature. Human nature is to self-comfort and reinforce what you already are doing. And, and, and it, and it sucks because that makes you weak. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's so like, I went through a period of doubt with my faith because I, re and then I realized I had been raised weak in the faith because Christians shun non-Christians and atheists who would challenge them but they never because they would shun them because they were triggered by that kind of stuff they they never actually tried to come up with any good answers for any of that whereas like i enjoy being pushed out of my comfort zone and i almost intentionally seek to be in the opposite of an echo chamber because right. it's like the only way that i can make sure that i'm not like just because uh, I, I know the dangers of that you know what i mean it's easy to fall into that trap of just like Oh, I'm right because I have a bunch of people around me who are just telling me I'm right. Like, well, that's the easy way out, but that's not the that's not the path to to uh, to truth. That that that's the right. path to, to to being an ideologue. Let me ask you, Jacob, who created God? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Dave Smith. I, did, did you tell <laughs> did you feel me like when y'all were live casting me just going like, ooh, Jacob, ooh, <laughs> ooh, I want to jump in. Well, that was like, I forget what, uh, was it my conversation with uh, James, Jediman, and Jose, like the episode before Dave where James brought, uh, no, no, Jose was just talking about cringe atheists and I was just like, oh, like Will Bell. <laughs> James, like, oh boy! James don't know who I am. That's like you follow me, buddy. Like, yeah, on, that's bro. that's yeah. What the fuck, James? That, that broke my heart. <laughs> He's probably He's, muted me for my blasphemy. That's why James is only my second favorite Catholic. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's that's, funny how people will define the like cringe atheist. Like to some people, that just means like someone who doesn't believe in God. Where to me. That means someone who's like commenting on a post where someone's like, my dad died and we need prayers. And some guy comes in and is like, God, is it real dumbass or whatever? Like those people are, you know, they should be thrown out of helicopters in my opinion. But um, it's just an interesting scale of like what people consider a cringe Christian or a cringe atheist or whatever. It's just kind of, I don't know. Well, you know, what's, what's funny is I was, so I don't know if any of you guys saw, I had that uh, mini debate. Who, and actually, the, the guy who I debated is going on uh, Dan's show to debate Clint now on if yeah. the Mises caucus is a cult, which when we got into that, like, you know, I had to like I, I had to be prepared ahead of time by like, hey, what then we know what the definition of a cult is and be able to cite patterns of what a cult is and all that. And so, well, Will's, so, it's, so Will's branching out with the alcohol up there. <laughs> Always, brother. But, you know, there are parts of. I would say there are parts of Christianity and there are parts of libertarianism that are very cult-like. 
um, yes. or might even pass over <laughs> into being cults, which, you know what I mean? And, and that's, I think the Mises like caucus I, kind of is a cult, to be honest. Like I haven't watched your debate yet. I will, but like, <laughs> just like on a surface level, I'm like, well, I think yeah. some people make it into, I think some yeah. people make it into one because some people don't have a very strong individual identity. And mm -hmm. so they go, they, they find a niche, they find a click and they make yeah. that their identity. Uh, but, but they would do that whether it was the Mises caucus or if it was, you know, I don't know, uh, the Satanist temple club, <laughs> but it's, 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 uh, but yeah, that's, that's part of what I hated about the religious experiences I grew up with was, and it sounds like Reed, you might've had very similar experiences. Like it felt more like a cult at times than it did a genuine like intellectual or spiritual experience, yeah. like, journey. It just kind of felt like, you know, do, uh, do what we tell you to do. Don't turn your brain off, you know, say and do all the right things. And, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you certainly see that in libertarian circles, which is like so ironic because the whole point of libertarianism is supposed to be individualist, but you're right. Like some people, I don't know, man. Like if you, and, and don't take this the wrong way, Jacob, because I know your show is like based on the Bible or whatever. But like if your identity, like who if people know you as, oh, he's a libertarian or, oh, he's a Christian. Like, I just think that's kind of boring. And I don't th when I think Jacob, I don't think Christian. I think interesting transmission rebuilder. And then like the training guy. Yeah, the training, I think of Will yeah, as a yeah. as a blueberry, you know, a blueberry wine guy, like the guy who makes blueberry wine, and my friend that I call up to ask him questions, you know, and then uh, Liam is the guy in college up in Montana who's involved Beautiful. in his local government, you know, like I don't, I mean, there are people that I wouldn't be able to describe other than oh, he's Catholic or, oh, he's libertarian. And that's so boring. Like if people just know you as your ideology, like I don't think you're really doing well. I mean, if that's the most interesting thing about you, then I don't know. You know, like it's just kind of boring. So I think but, I think the, the Lutheran denomination has pretty interesting commentary on that and like the idea of culture and, and vocation. And I think that like it's, it's very... I think that they put a really big emphasis on vocation for that reason. It's like your, your purpose in life is pretty significant in your ability to like, um, spread the word and, and be an example. And, and I, I think that we would kind of share in that in a way we might have like technical disagreements, but I think that there, there is an importance to like what we do and, and who we are and where we're at and, I, I think I I would agree with you there. Yeah, there's something about like just building up who you are. Like you know what I mean? Like we're all like the individualism. You like you you have to fucking have more attributes than like a few isms to just throw up there. You gotta like be your own fucking man or woman or they them. Or whatever you want to fucking be. But like if you're an individual and you know what, you, you, it's kind of like a 
a goal to strive for as being something that somebody remembers more than just like a, a follower of some kind of pre-established path. Well, some people substitute having a personality for having a group identity. And it, well, that's true, whether it's cringe leftists or evangelical Christians. It's like they make that their whole thing, which and then no wonder why they get offended when you attack their ideology. Right. Because it's like that's all they are. Like, yeah. if somebody attacks Christianity, I'm just like, okay, well, I disagree with you, but, like, it, it's not offensive to me. Like, my, my whole, my self-worth as a person and my general level of happiness doesn't come from if people agree with me on religion or not. Like, it's, yeah. just, it's just a shallow way to go through life. Because, I mean, I've changed my mind on things so many times. It's just like, you know, like, it's it just... And I think that's the problem, too, is that people, when, when you attach your identity so much into that group identity, then you're, you're not willing to change your mind and admit when you're wrong, which yeah. I, I think we all work to, to push back against. Have you ever, like, um, we're all, like, individualists here. Like, we're pretty, like, much, like, strong and, like, be... You, you know what I'm saying? Like individualism sometimes is attacked, but like, have y'all ever thought about like the inverse of that on a, like a spiritual level? Like just almost like the idea of like, maybe we're all, all one. we're all one. Yeah. Like that, like almost like well, that's, what, that, that's what the Christians believe. We're the body of Christ. That's what yeah. most like religions or yeah. like just fucking tribes sitting around doing mushrooms like come to this <laughs> conclusion that like there's this idea that we're all like god experiencing life like we're all one version of god or something like just experiencing yeah. this thing called life and we're each this we're each each other or whatever like we're not really individuals like like we as libertarians really want to like fight for that and sometimes like there's like this base religious feeling uh, of, of like I'm glad we got enough alcohol and will because he gets super interesting when he <laughs> <laughs> guys I'm telling you man like no like I, I feel you man like Dude, there's like, a duality to that idea like almost yeah. a yin, yin yang version of, of individuality like I'm up in my sober mind I would say I'm Will Bell I'm fucking I'm a blueberry farming libertarian atheist asshole that's the most skeptical motherfucker that you've ever fucking met and that's me that is who i am and whatever but then there's this idea of just like that's like a fight like you're fighting the idea of just like we're all one we're all dude, like experience dude i've got major hippie vibes in some ways like I, i'm you know, I'm the naturalist capitalist, and I talk a lot about the capitalist half, but that naturalist half, like, <laughs> like I've, I've done a lot of traveling and been out in the mountains a lot, out, you know, miles away from people. And yeah, like, there, there, I, I totally get what you're saying. There is, like, you know, I don't know if it's God or some force of nature or what, but there seems to be some life force that kind of binds everything that is alive. And I, I talked about this with Jacob on his show, um, you know, and it, it depends on what type of religious person I'm talking to, but a lot of religious people think there's like a clear delineation between humanity and the rest of nature. 
and some don't some think it's like kind of pervasive and i like if there is a god i think that there isn't this clear delineation between humanity and the rest of the world like you see attributes of humanity in nature like you see elephants literally weep over the graves of their predecessors and you see loyalty in a dog and you see you know you could see anger and vengeance and like all these things that humans have you could see it throughout nature and the more unrefined it gets like once you get down to a mouse or a worm or whatever like it's wit you, you don't start seeing it anymore but the more advanced something is the more you could see that w within like you know intelligent animals or whatever so i don't know like i, I feel you i know what you're talking about and I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I don't know what that is. Like, there's, there's something there, and I like having that conversation. We we need to do a live podcast where we all do shrooms together. <laughs> we really do. Like, dude, Bro, I'm done it with can my... be done. We can do this. <laughs> I, I'm I'm done with my job a week from yesterday, or sorry, a month from yesterday. So the the drugs are on the table again. So this is. <laughs> That's spoken like a person who hasn't done shrooms. Yeah. <laughs> I have not done shrooms. But by the way, I'm just saying like doing a podcast. <laughs> well, my you know, I've heard do a, do a podcast after the after the trip. After it, after it could be yeah. good. Like the yeah. day after. Yeah. It could be interesting. Oh, well, I mean, I've got Will to back me up here too, but like I've had so many people tell me, like, dude, you will believe in God after you do shrooms and like, I know okay, I, I do that, it. and I'm like, "Why well, already believe in God?" So I want to see what the truth yeah. is. Father, we got biblical <laughs> atheism coming up right. soon. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I find all this shit extremely intriguing because I am an agnostic, like you know, at heart. Like, I mean, I'm I, I we talked about this last capitalist communion. Like, these labels are weird. Like when it comes to like atheism versus agnosticism, like I say atheist because like there is some shit that I just don't believe. And I think it's bullshit. And it's kind of like when you hear stuff from the CIA, like you're not just agnostic about it. You're like, nah, I come 100 on. Percent believe like, it. I do not believe that at all. <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah. I, but like when you hear something from a source that like but James Clapper lied to us. Come on. <laughs> but like at the at the soul of it, like I am agnostic. I don't know. I don't pretend to know. Like Gnosticism is knowledge, right? Like the people people get that confused. Like atheism is a belief. It's not a claim of knowledge. So agnosticism is healthy for everybody. Like if you're a Gnostic atheist, you're a dumbass, I think. Like if you're claiming that you know that there is no God you have no footing to stand on because you don't know. None of us know. Like we're all trying to figure this out and we've had different experiences that have brought us different places. And by shutting out anyone and listening to someone else, we're doing ourselves a disservice. So I don't know. I love this show. I love, I love doing this with you guys, <laughs> but anyone else got anything to say? I don't know. Brother, I love it too, man. Let me play podcaster and shit. It's it's fun as hell. Like, at some point, at some point, what we're gonna have to do is have Will break down why he thinks Spider Man is a better moral story than. Uh, I'm ready oh for God. it anytime, brother. It's easily Spider Man, Spider Man, No Way Home, the newest 
uh, Disney production. Disney oh my God! There it is. We'll just is a we'll better morality story <laughs> than the Gospels. Easily, <laughs> easily a better morality story. We're, we're an hour. We're an hour and fifty two minutes in, <laughs> and I'm almost out of blueberry wine. And it's now you want to bring this easy. up? It's almost too easy of an argument to make. Uh, <laughs> like we'll, I, we'll save it for the next next installment. But Will is going to make the case that Spider Man is a more moral framework than the Bible. <laughs> See, you just Let's triggered my it. autism. I'm going to be up till four o'clock in the morning, pissed off. <laughs> Have you seen it yet? That's, a, that's a perfect cliffhanger to leave us yeah. on. So, did you watch it yet, Jacob? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, See, did you, did all you these motherfuckers talking about boycotting Disney and shit. I don't even remember the last Disney movie I watched, but you guys are like, you know, talking about Spider-Man. Oh shit. my god, Spider-Man more Sony than Disney. Come, come on, more, more. <laughs> You'll see the Thor trailer. Come on! <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's do plugs and get out of here. So, Will Blueberry Wine, everyone, everyone, show what you got. If you want the true capitalist communion experience, you're going to have to purchase Rabbit Eye Wine and drink it along with us every month when we do these sessions. It's um, all 100% blueberry wine made here from my farm and my family. We we grow it, produce it make it into wine and store it and sell it here. Check it out at rabbiteyewine.com and uh, just uh, drink wine and be merry. Link in the description. All right, Liam, I know you just had Scott Horton on your show. What else is coming up? What are you up to these days? Yeah, so next week I'm planning on having this guy um, on the show to talk about how he exposed the corruption in the Supreme Court of Montana. Um, we haven't set a date on that, but I, I'm hoping to do it on, on Wednesday. Uh, so everyone be looking for that, but everyone should go listen to my most recent episode. It's a recording of Scott Horton's speech that he gave to a student group here at the university of Montana. And it's three hours long. So, I mean, you have all the Scott Horton content you need. It's, it's great. Um, and I'm going to be listening to it many times over cause I mean, he's writing a new book about Russia and Ukraine, and he's essentially like reading the script. That, that's what the whole podcast is. So I think you guys will enjoy it. All right. Jacob, Daniel, Winograd, whatever your name is, you had uh, you just had you just had the Dave wave. That's what I called it when I that was <laughs> yeah. what lifted me off the ground. I looked at my YouTube views or whatever, and there was this obvious spike when Dave had come on my show. So I, I named it the Dave wave, but you've had a recent Dave wave. So things are looking up. So what's, what's going on with you? Yeah. So I uh, uh, just had Dave Smith on Tuesday. So that's a good conversation if you haven't checked it out yet. Um, so if you want to follow me, uh, Daniel three biblical anarchy. Uh, it's on YouTube, Apple podcasts, all that stuff. And my Twitter handle is at biblical anarchy. As for what's coming up, I'm actually having the gentleman to my, uh, right on the screen <laughs> although it's, it's 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 different to me it's backwards but uh liam's coming on the show tomorrow actually so we're gonna uh have a conversation just the two of us without the the cringe atheist dragging <laughs> us down now and uh uh next week i'm going on jose's show and i have no idea what we're talking about but <laughs> 
but but that'll be fun. But yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff coming <laughs> coming down the. Uh, yeah, I, he has. I literally asked him like, so what do you want to talk about? He's like, oh no, just shoot the shit. I was just like, uh, okay, <laughs> we'll just we'll just shoot the shit for for a couple hours, I guess. I don't know. Um, but you know, I got I got some cool stuff yeah. coming down the horizon. I'm actually doing a um, a series, and I got two scripts done. I'm working on a third, and then I'm going to start really uh, doing them. But I'm going through historical uh christian anarchists in history and kind of doing like bios on them and kind of what like what led them to that what their beliefs were what they're like what other christians thought of them and stuff i just thought it'd be cool to you know like because a lot of people think christian anarchism is this weird like you know you can't do that no one's ever done that and really there's a lot of including the one we taught we brought up today c.s lewis at one point made references to his political leanings being basically anarchy so and uh, jrr tolkien another one yeah yep there's there's yeah. a lot of them out there dorothy day is one i'm gonna do uh there's of course tolstoy <coughs> is, is, a, is a famous one um uh there, yeah, there, there's a bunch of good ones out there yep um i am trying for the third time to have dave smith on my show on thursday and it's gonna work this time i'm gonna Listen, have good i'm gonna Wi-Fi. i'm gonna pray and fast from tonight on, I'm doing nothing but blueberry wine between now and tomorrow <laughs> night. I mean, Sunday night, so that hopefully everything goes well. Yeah, yeah, this this needs to work out. But yeah, he's coming on the show. Uh, the four horsemen are going on Clinch show on Sunday night. So Ryan Dawson, Eric Jackman, and I will be appearing on Clinch show Sunday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you check in for that. And uh, David Brady, who's in the audience, he's coming on my show on Tuesday. So uh, David yeah, makes me it. question my stance on spanking children, man. I saw I that mean... comment. <laughs> <laughs> David is adorable. I love that kid. He gives me hope. He gives me hope that like Dude, I wish I was that based like now. Tell let me alone when I was that young. <laughs> Like fucking seven, any uh, 17, 18, whatever. Like at that age, I didn't even, I barely knew what libertarianism was. Probably I'm scared for him. Like he's this based now. So in 10 years, oh, like he's going to, he's going to, he's going to be like Snowden or, uh, has, has, Dawson, up in... <laughs> has Dawson been on Brady's show yet? I think yeah, tomorrow, I right? It yet, but he, yeah, last week he went on. Yep. Oh, Lord. Oh, okay. That kid is, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, he's going for it early for sure. But uh, yeah, if you're new here, please subscribe to the channel. You can also follow me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that happy horse shit. And I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, all the mainstream shit. And then I'm on Gab, Getter, Float, everything that nobody uses. So you can follow me all those places. And with that, we will say good night to everyone and continue the search for the truth.